0: Here's what's coming up on today's show. So again, just so many things that can flow through and if it saves you a few bucks here and there, it's just that it, it does make a huge impact on your nest egg if you don't have to take out more money because you're saving on taxes. Welcome to the Perfect Game Retirement Podcast with former professional baseball player and now financial coach at Black Oak Asset Management, Ryan Ledman. This show will help you make the right financial decisions so you can pitch a perfect game in retirement. Here's the windup up and the delivery. Well, hello and
1: welcome in to Perfect Game Retirement. Glad to have you back on the podcast. Got a good show for you today, kicking off. I'm well, not saying kicking off the new year. We are already kind of rocking and rolling here in 2023. But for anybody kind of looking for a list uh, to accomplish this year, we got some tax questions because as we're now kind of into 2023, Ryan, I know everybody starts thinking about, well, it's tax season. Here we go
0: again. Absolutely, it's it's the new year, and yes, taxes are on people's minds. They are trying to gather all their tax forms from their, you know, from from us from a custodial um, standpoint. And it's like, well, we don't issue those; it's it's Hmm. coming from our custodian. So as soon as as soon as they get them, you'll get them. Uh, But yeah, so I, I know there's a lot of people that want to get this stuff done. And by the recording of this, you know, or excuse me, by the the viewing of this, then we're getting even closer to tax time um, probably first part of March when this is going to be released. So it's, it's, it's coming time. Some people, there's a lot of people actually that are going to file extensions. So don't have to really worry about it till October, but uh, you can file an extension. But if you, if you owe a big old tax payment, you want to at least get an estimated tax payment in cause then you start paying penalties there. So you definitely want to do something uh, from a payment standpoint, but you can, you can file extensions on the actual filing of your taxes though. Gotcha.
1: Well, today, we're going to take, take you through some of the top tax questions that retirees need to be asking here in 2023. I, this won't cover everything, but these are a lot of great questions that you want to get answered as it relates to taxes and your tax planning. And hopefully you are thinking beyond just, you know, your filing here in the next few months and looking ahead to the future. It could save you a lot over the course of your lifetime. So, We'll do that today on the show. Also have a mailbag question coming up a little bit later as well. So it should be a good show. How's everything in the office though? Everything uh, in the new place looking pretty good
0: setting up. Doing, yeah, doing, doing it is. Things? It is. We've, um, you know, getting some signage, some additional signage up front. That's, that should be up and, you know, getting blind, just those kind of final finishes that we're, we're still getting done now. They're still punchless items. Yeah. Uh, that still need to be done in our office. Hint, hint, if the uh, developer uh, is listening to this, we still need our punch list items done, but they have a year, so I'm sure they will wait as long as humanly possible. <laughs> but yeah, for the most part, it's it's good. Clients like it when they come in. It's, it's definitely a good spot. Awesome.
1: Well, if you wanna get more information from Ryan or sit down and meet with him, you can just log on blackoakam.com. You can schedule a Retirement Coach 360 session online now. Or you can call 470-508-0508. So again, we're going to address some of these tax questions and concerns that might pop up for retirees as they start thinking ahead to what they might owe on their money in retirement. We got, uh, I think, seven we're going to go through here today. Ryan, let's start off with uh, this one for number one. What are What are the tax implications of withdrawing money from my retirement accounts? Good place to start.
0: Yeah, I mean, it could be a variety of different things. And this is why just diversification of types of accounts. um, I mean, you always hear diversification of investments. Well, this is another type of a diversification in different types of investment accounts and they're taxed differently. So, you know, we won't go down how each one is, is taxed, but you know you have your pre-tax accounts those are accounts that you've never paid tax on before so obviously you've got to pay the piper it's it's either pay me now pay me later with the irs you've decided not to pay as you were working and now as you take this money out you need to pay now that could be you you may have to pay federal or no you will have to pay federal And and then, depending on what state you live in, obviously in Georgia we we do have a state income tax, but we're we're surrounded by a couple states, Tennessee and Florida, that do not. So that's why you do see a lot of people flock to those states in retirement because you get a little bit of tax savings there. But those pre-tax accounts, you pay ordinary income, so it just every dime you take out of there flows through to your tax form as taxable income. Um, Again, there's always going to be a difference between taxable income and income. Uh, and, and some of these points that we'll talk about, they will get into that, but obviously Roth accounts, whether it's a Roth 401k, Roth IRA, those are post-tax contributions and you take out distributions tax-free as long as you meet certain requirements. Obviously, if you're 59 and a half and you've had that account for five years, everything in that account is technically tax-free. So That is income, but that is not taxable income. So it's almost the exact opposite of what we just said from a pre-tax account standpoint. Then you have investment accounts or what they call non-qualified or just brokerage accounts. Those are, there's a variety of different taxation going on. You have, you pay taxes on interest, any of the investments that spin off interest, you pay tax on that. Any dividend income, there's qualified and non-qualified dividends, you pay potential tax on that but just the sheer growth of the account uh, of these non-qualified accounts, you have short-term and long-term capital gains. And short-term capital gains is um, one year or less. So short-term capital gains is code for ordinary income. So don't say it's just capital gains tax. Well, it's short-term capital gains tax, which means you pay your federal tax rate. Long-term capital gains, 366 days, that means you pay your capital gains rate, which is going to be less than what your ordinary income tax bracket is. And it depends on where you fall. If you're in the 10 or 12% tax bracket, you don't pay any capital gains. If you're uh, 22 through most of the 35% tax bracket, you pay 15%. If you're in the latter half of the 35 into the 37, then you pay the highest rate at 20% and then you have an extra surtax on top of that. So you're even closer to about 24%. So a lot of different things move, going on there, but this is where having a variety of accounts gives you the flexibility to pull money out of different accounts. So it's not just, hey, I need you know six, seven grand of income per month. Okay, well, do you? Is that gross? Is that net? Where are you gonna take these, uh, these dollars from? What types of accounts? Are you close to a different tax bracket? Anyway, this is the nerd out part of my of my job that I do love because everybody wants to talk about rates of return, but if you can keep a few dollars in your pocket just by saving on taxes, then that's a great rate of return because it's not having to leave your account. So a lot of things going on there, so a lot of different tax implications, but that's where a meeting with a, with a comprehensive advisor is gonna help you with that. Yeah, and I'm sure people listen and go, man, that's a lot to, to get <laughs> sorted out. And it is. But again, like that's what you do every day. And it's,
1: it's yeah, I wouldn't say it's easy for you, but it's you've simplified it uh, compared to what most people try to do, trying to sort that out. So it's, it's important to understand that. And that's a great place to start for our list here. So, you know, along those same lines with income and, and understanding what's being taxed as you're trying to, you know, make your plan for what you're going to need in retirement, Social Security comes up next, right? It, and whether or not those benefits are going to be taxed.
0: That's right. It's it's a flow through. So the first point we just talked about flows through and it could affect your social security tax. And, and there's still a lot of people out there who don't know that you pay tax on your social security benefit depending on what your taxable income is. So social security, it used to not be taxed. And again, just to get down, go down a slight political rabbit hole here. So it was not taxed before. Ronald Reagan, so it's Democrats and Republicans here that who, who tax both, so we can't point fingers on either side of the aisle, but Ronald Reagan was the first one to tax it at 50% of your, uh, of your benefit. And then um, Bill Clinton uh, added an additional tax that said 85% could be taxed. So 85% of your benefit, that does not mean it's taxed at 85%. So that is a little bit confusing. But if you work with a CPA or tax planning software, it just spits out the number based off your taxable income of how much you get to keep of your Social Security benefit. So the depending on what your income is, so 15% of your of your Social Security benefit is going to be tax free. Now the, the politicians can change that. They could tax every penny of it. Um, but right now, 15% is at least not going to be taxed. 85% of it, if your income is over if you're married filing jointly, if you make over 44,000 of taxable income, which is not difficult to reach, <laughs> but most people need more than that to live on in retirement. And most people have their money in pre-tax accounts, which means all of that money is going to be taxable. So if you are married filing jointly and you have over 44,000 of taxable income, 85% of your benefit, is going to be taxed at whatever your marginal tax rate is. Okay, that was really confusing. I'm sure how I just said that. (laughs) But, so let's just, I got a calculator in my hand because I don't want to screw up the math on that. Let's say your social security benefit is $2,000 a month. Okay, you've claimed social security. Sweet, I get $2,000 a month, but you have $60,000 of taxable income in retirement so you're over that $44,000 amount threshold so 85% of your benefit is going to be taxed so and it flows through so it's not 85% of the entire amount it's kind of marginally done so up to a certain point it's tax free up to a certain point you pay half up to a certain point you pay 85% so the government does this on purpose to make it as confusing as possible so of that two thousand dollars, again, I can't do the exact math because again it flows through. But um, let's say so eighty-five percent of that, all right, is seventeen hundred. So eighty-five percent of that benefit is seventeen hundred. And then if you're in the you know twenty-two percent tax bracket, you know you may pay anywhere from around three to three hundred fifty dollars in taxes. So that two thousand dollar a month benefit, and again, don't quote me on this math, and I'm just giving you a rough estimate of right. that two thousand dollar a month benefit because You have higher taxable income, you're going to pocket about you know seventeen hundred ish, based off based off of taxes. But again, that goes back to the point: if you got a bunch of tax-free money, again, it's not taxable income; it's just income. So if you can stay below that forty-four thousand dollar amount or even less, then your Social Security benefit is is completely tax-free. So that's where, again, tax planning early on with your investment accounts is so huge, and then. I think on our checklist here, we don't even have Medicare listed in here. Medicare premiums are based on taxable income, not income. So again, just so many things that can flow through. And if it saves you a few bucks here and there, it's just it it does make a huge impact on your nest egg. If you don't have to take out more money because you're saving on taxes.
1: Well, pensions are another source of income too. And and not everybody gets them if you're still fortunate enough uh, as you're approaching retirement. And I guess, you know, still a number of retirees today still are fortunate enough to have the pension, uh, but not everyone does. But for those that do and are heading into retirement with that piece of income, how does the taxation work for that versus other forms of income?
0: Yeah, most, I, I, sh- I say most, I want to say all pensions, but hey, there may be a few out there that I'm like, eh, I may not be right on that. But every yeah. person I work with, pension is essentially ordinary income. And we work with a ton of pension employees, whether they're government or private. But pension uh, flows through, and it's—I uh, think it's maybe box 11. Uh, I don't again, not a tax preparer, so I don't know that exactly. But I feel like I, it's on box 11, maybe of of taxable income. It's not earned income; it's taxable income. So, if you are in retirement and you are receiving a pension you can't technically contribute to a Roth IRA if your only income is pension because that's not technically earned income. It's income, but not earned income. So you can't actively contribute to a Roth. You have to have earned income to contribute to a Roth. But yeah, as far as taxes go, ordinary income. Um, Again, if you live in a uh, tax-free state, uh, income tax state, then you don't have to pay state tax, but you do have to pay federal. So pensions are awesome, they're great. They just, you know, you're going to be in a certain tax bracket. So going back to my last discussion with Social Security benefits, if you're a pension person and you paid into Social Security, you almost have no way around, depending on what your pension is, but you almost have no way around of, of getting your Social Security tax because of how much income you you are taking. And most of the people we work with, their pensions are pretty good. They're pretty substantial, uh, and, and most of them are going to be above that forty-four thousand dollar mark that I mentioned in our previous point with Social Security. So, hey, pensions are awesome. They they are great. I, I would take a pension all day long and have my Social Security taxed a little bit. You know, yeah. Um, I used to be in that world, but I wasn't. I didn't. I didn't stay long enough to be quote unquote vested. Um, so it's all based off of uh, how much I save. Yeah. I've
1: got about a $230 pension from a past job that Boom. that I'll have. So there's there's <laughs> something. I'll forget about that paycheck every month I'm sure coming
0: in. But. You can uh, buy a half a weeks of groceries. Yeah, what's that going to be worth by the time I retire? <laughs> That's a great
1: question. Oh man. Uh, all right. So we're talking about the tax the top tax questions for retirees this year and we're kind of still hitting on income quite a bit here and you know, it takes us to another you know, new legislation for this year that, that kind of added on to a few years ago, that's the Secure Act. So understanding now, it's important as we, you know, as you go through this year and you move in closer to retirement, that you have to understand how the Secure Act and Secure Act two actually affects your retirement income and taxes.
0: Yeah, the feds they're they're awesome at, at changing laws. And I guess it's maybe job security for me. I I don't know. It's a headache for me, but maybe it's job security at the same time. And so the Secure Act, oh my gosh, there are pages upon pages of new, new things that affect um, a lot of people and, and mainly retirees. So I'm gonna hit that just the high point for this one I, I mean literally I attended a webinar that was almost two hours I know that sounds just god awful boring but <laughs> two hours of the secure act of what is in it and the minutia and they even screwed up the law they even missed they they messed up the numbering system on it as far as required minimum distributions. it's like oh my god so they got to go back and amend it anyway so required minimum distributions most of the listeners here probably know what RMDs required minimum distributions are forever and ever the rmd age was 70 and a half so we knew as advisors okay that we know exactly when their required minimum distributions are going to be well in 2020 uh, they pushed that back to age 72 so we're like okay well at least it's an even number at least it's not 70 and a half it's 72 so we know okay these people moving forward are now taking required minimum distributions if you were already taking rmds before this you were just continued continued on so there wasn't uh, much moving it around it's just for people that were aging up they got to delay it um, a little bit longer well now they changed it again Uh, so anyone born between i think the years are 1951 through 1958 now your required minimum distribution starting age is now 73. so if you don't need money out of those pre-tax accounts okay, great. You can just delay these a, a little bit longer. Maybe that's a few extra years you get to maybe do Roth conversions, um, which you it's it's almost like taking an RMD. It's not, but it's almost like taking an RMD before you take RMDs, but you're just moving it from your IRA to your Roth and you're paying the tax on it. And the benefit of that is Roths do not have RMDs. They don't. So you can leave that money in there as long as possible. So any of those people born after 1959 or later, now the rmd age is 75 so it's like good lord i got four ages going on there depending on what your what your date of birth was so that can potentially help people by delaying that and it offers again more years of opportunity to do roth conversions which is which is great so there's so many different nuances there now the diff, now the the downside of waiting is that percentage is going to be higher that you're going to have to take out so that required minimum distribution age is going to be probably larger because it's based off life expectancy, and if it's delaying longer, it's squeezing how much money you can uh, take out based off those RMDs. So, anyway, it, it's it, it will affect um, people like people this year. There's no new individuals taking required minimum distributions because of the change in the years. So if you took them last year, you just keep taking them, right? There's nobody new starting RMDs this year. So if you thought you were turning 72 this year and you have to take RMD, no, it's now 73. So you can delay it another year. So nobody new is starting it. If you've already been taking it, you just keep going. So it doesn't affect anyone that's already been taking it. But... Yeah, that, that's that's the government for you constantly changing stuff. And that's why they can't keep CPAs, because they they constantly change tax law, too. And it drives CPAs nuts. So they're they're leaving the business in droves uh, because of that.
1: Really? I mean, I, I get it. I get the frustration. We we all kind of feel it. Not to that degree, but trying to keep up with what the government wants is yep. nearly impossible. Most times, <laughs> that's, what that's what you're there for, right, Ryan, to help us right, keep us right. on track. I got a few more <laughs> questions here about taxes uh, I'm gonna shift gears a little bit away from income a bit but I know a lot of people decide to move in retirement I don't know how many people leave Georgia necessarily because you know you're in a pretty good spot before obviously an attractive destination Tennessee no income tax in Tennessee so a lot of people are thinking about moving states so you know the question being you know how will my taxes change if you do decide to leave and move to another state in retirement
0: yeah it essentially could and a lot of the higher income earners, this, it, it does affect them more just because they're taking more income and, and the percentage of what is being taken out, like Georgia's 5.75. Um, but yeah, you go to, to Tennessee or Florida and you don't. Now, I'm not going to even go down the rabbit hole, but I do know there's ways to claim um, some sort of residency. And, and I don't even know how, because I, I did it when I was 18 years old and I got drafted out of high school. Somehow I declared some sort of temporary residency in Florida and got to save my sign-in bonus on state income tax still don't know to this day how that happened and there's probably people listening like oh yeah i know how to do that okay seek out a tax advisor and they'll be able to let you know but um i I, it most people go because their permanent residence is going to be in that state so obviously florida is very attractive because of the weather and i do understand that tennessee's awesome tennessee's a great state um Uh, to move to. Obviously, you know, people are flocking to the Nashville area. It's almost just too crowded there now um, because I have to go there there quite a bit and it's changed a lot over the years. So it definitely can change um, how much taxes that you you do pay. Just you really want to make sure it's worth it. Um, You know, saving a few tax dollars and to completely, you know, uproot your your family, and it may be further away from kids and grandkids. Eh, I don't know is that is that really worth it to you? But it can be, so it's it's more of a personal preference than anything. But it can it can affect what you owe in taxes for sure.
1: Yeah, may it may not be the best. I did move just to save a few in taxes. Need to see the entire picture before you you do that. Uh, a couple more questions here. Are there any tax benefits for making charitable contributions in retirement?
0: Yeah, this one's this one's great. Uh, I, I could talk for a long time on this. So they're charitable contributions in retirement. Yes, if you get to the point where (sighs) you get to RMD age and you don't necessarily need your required minimum distribution. Well, there's a kind of a loophole, if you will, I don't know if that's the right term for it, but um, a QCD, a Qualified Charitable Distribution, that can be sent to a 501C3 nonprofit. It can be sent to that nonprofit where you as the individual are not taxed and it checks the box for your required minimum distribution. So if you have good sources of income coming in, you got a great pension and I have know several people that don't need their RMD. They're very fortunate, but they don't need their required minimum distribution. So they can, if they want, they can give that money to a charity, a church, whatever it may be they want to give to. And the IRS, again, checks the box for you that you took your requirement minimum distribution. So it's not taxable to you and it's not taxable to the entity. So it's a huge benefit to do. And the benefit of this is, you can um they never changed the law on the age as far as 70 and a half because 70 and a half used to be the rmd age well a qcd you can do that still at 70 and a half so if you know you got rmds coming down the pike in a few years hey start giving some of that money away to a charity if you want to uh, because you can start doing it at 70 and a half and you can do i think you can do up to like a hundred grand i mean it's a lot it's a significant chunk of money now most, you know, most people listen, maybe like, uh, no, I'm going to need all that money, uh, in retirement. And that's, and that's fine. But some people don't, don't need it or they have massive amounts of, of qualified money and they'd rather give it to a charity than the federal government. Cause they feel like the, the charity will, will spend it more responsibly than the federal government will. So yeah, charitable contributions, great benefit, QCD, again, Google search that and you will be able to learn uh, a lot about it. All
1: right. One more question for you here before we wrap up our top tax questions for 2023. And that's, you know, what are the tax considerations for gifting money to my children or get grandchildren during retirement? Because this is something a lot of people like to do.
0: Yeah. The, this is a way that that people can quote unquote, give away money to loved ones and see them enjoy it. You know, while the, the donor is uh, still alive, really, they can watch the enjoyment of that. And each individual can give. I think the new law says it's up to seventeen thousand dollars. So each person can give seventeen thousand dollars to each individual that they want to. So if they have two kids, the dad can give seventeen thousand to each kid. The mother can give to us. Uh, excuse me, seventeen thousand to each kid as well. So it's based off of each donor, each person, uh, and it's based off they can give it to each donee. Now you don't have to file a tax form uh, for that, but if you go over that $17,000, then there is a gift tax and the donor or the person giving the money is responsible for the tax, not the one receiving it. You do have to file a tax form and I can't remember the number off the top of my head of what the tax form is, but you do need to do it. If it's below the uh, 17,000 or below, you don't need to do it. You just obviously keep records of it. If you write a check or a deposit or whatever, you want to keep keep records of it, but you don't have to file a tax form to do that. Um, so again, it's a way for individuals to see that money being used while they are alive, and it's a lot. It's in moderate amounts versus maybe the beneficiaries receiving large lump sums, and then you know it's burning a hole in their pocket and they spend it right away. Uh, so they can give it to grandkids as well. I mean there's a lot of different things they can do from uh, giving away money because right now they' the estate tax or what they nicknamed the death tax, it's a high amount, but it's only over amounts. I think it's like 11.8 million per person so doesn't affect a lot of people. It doesn't affect a lot of people. I guarantee I shouldn't say guarantee. I am willing to bet that the federal government is going to change that amount and it's going to lower the estate tax. So we can have a different conversation later. That's another show topic for another day. Mm-hmm. But yeah, giving away $17,000 per person is a great way to lower people's uh, estate, but also see it uh, the loved ones benefit from that money uh, when they get it from the donor. Yeah, definitely an opportunity there for planning. So these are just some of the the tax questions you need to be
1: asking and and getting answers to as you get close to retirement, if that's your plan this year to maybe make that transition. Make sure you answer these questions. If you want to go through any of these or or want to follow up on anything we talked about, log on blackoakam.com, schedule your Retirement Coach 360 session online now. And Ryan will start working through this with you. You can call as well at 470-508-0508. Time now for a little getting to know Ryan away from work. And we we have some fun with some of these questions, Ryan. And uh, I don't know the last time you, you took a long flight. I know you've had to fly across the country not too long ago for your son's track meet, I think, right? But a 10-hour flight. I don't know if you've done one of these in a while. What, who would you like to sit by if you were on a 10-hour flight?
0: Oh, man. Um, I'd never have been on a 10-hour flight. Um, sadly to say, I'm not like a world traveler. Definitely would would like to do some, some things. But yeah 10 hours Uh, you know you start thinking of famous people and oh we were my heroes growing up and uh but honestly i mean it's it's sentimental obviously but i mean my mom passed away um 17 years ago so uh maybe that's an an easy answer i guess but i mean sitting next to my mom for 10 hours that would be that would be awesome um Cause yeah, you miss, miss those loved ones that, uh, pass away. Obviously it gets easier to deal with as as the longer they are passed away, but yeah, 17 years this, this past January is, is a long time. So yeah, I would love to have a, a 10 hour plane plane ride next to her. That'd be cool. That's awesome. Cool answer.
1: All right. Let's, uh, let's dive into the mailbag real quick. Get one question before we get out of here on today's episode of perfect game retirement. Uh, the question came in from Emily. She's in Holly Springs says I'm 60 and probably retiring in five to six years. Should I start converting as much of my IRA to Roth as I
0: can? Man, Emily, that's teed up uh, from what our show topic was earlier. Um, I, you know, I guess it depends. Uh, there, there's always these, it depends. Cause I don't know your whole story, but I, I'm a huge fan of it. I, You want to convert it strategically Um, to get the best bang for your buck you want to pay the tax out of your own back pocket versus the amount being converted over Uh, it depends on how much ira money you have Uh, but yeah i mean you have a window of opportunity to 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 start converting And, and if you're still working maybe you have more of a capacity to pay the tax bill i know the argument against doing roth conversions are well, you're going to be in a lower tax bracket in retirement. Well, maybe you are, maybe you aren't. I don't know your whole picture. Uh, if you're going to be in a lower tax bracket in retirement, mm, okay, M- maybe I can I can see justification, but of not doing one. But I just I think taxes are going up long term. I don't know how or when or what, but I think they're going up. And and if you have Roth money, it doesn't affect your life if they increase taxes because that's tax free money. Uh, So I see you have five or six years, Uh, Emily, if you do not have a Roth right now, please open one up as soon as possible because that five-year rule is going to apply to you. So open up a Roth, contribute $100 to it. Just put some money in there. Um, If you can't contribute to a Roth, open a Roth and go ahead and convert some of that IRA. Even if it's a thousand bucks, just put something in that Roth so the clock starts ticking on that five year rule. So you want to go ahead and do that. So that at least, at least, at least, at least do that, Emily. But yeah, I would try to convert as much as possible. That way you have a big old tax-free bucket in retirement. Well, good
1: stuff. Uh, Thanks for that question, Emily. Appreciate it. If you want to follow up or have questions of your own, you can always reach out to Ryan at blackoakam.com. That is the website and you can schedule a retirement coach 360 session there. Plus find all of our past podcasts as well, right there on the website. All right, Ryan, that'll do it for us here on this episode. And a lot of tax questions to sort through. I encourage anyone with questions about their taxes or what they might need to pay in retirement. Please take the time now to sit through down and, and sort that out and have a plan in place. Amen. All right, that'll do it for us here on Perfect Game Retirement. Thanks for listening. We'll have an episode coming in a couple of weeks. We'll talk to you then.
0: You can also visit blackoakam.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Ryan Ledner, and to
1: learn more about how to pitch a perfect game in retirement. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Please consult with a qualified professional before taking any action. Securities and registered investment advisory services offered through Silver Oak Securities, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Black Oak Asset Management and Silver Oak Securities, Inc. are not affiliated.